You are listening to The Mallory Report, a live radio show that ventures into the mysteries of life, as well as the hot topics of the day, either political or business. Welcome, everybody, to The Mallory Report. I'm so excited about tonight's show. It's been... Well, Jack, you were last on in 2017, so what is that? Four, almost four years, because it was September. So, Jack, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How are you getting along? Oh, well, I'm, I'm trying to stay out of trouble, but as I just told you, that's not working so well. So, maybe we'll talk UFOs, and this will be the less stressful part of my evening. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. So, it's like I said, it's been since 2017, so where do we even want to start? Do we? Let's, let's start with something easy. Where did this UAP thing come from? Oh, wow. Well, that's an old term, really. It, it goes all the way back, like, to the 50s. I mean, it's one of the original uh, unidentified aerial phenomena terms. Um, in fact, an uh, uh, organization I'm researching and, and putting together material on now is what's called NICAP, and they were the... National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. So the aerial phenomena term is pretty much as old as the modern-day UFO phenomenon, but I guess in more recent times, um, like since the uh, uh, December 2017, you know, now famous New York Times article and all, I, I guess... The military went to, to using the term again, UAP, and uh, other terms like UAV for um, unmanned aerial vehicles and things like that. And I, in my opinion, Jim, there's some confusion between uh, UFO enthusiasts and what they like to think UAP means and um, necessarily what the Department of Defense as it means, but um, some, who knows, some of that confusion is probably intentional, or at least uh, the DOD doesn't mind throwing it in the mix, let's put it that way, that um, it's often hard to tell what they're talking about, but that's a, a brief summary of um, how the UAP term came along. Well, I was going to say, the, the Pentagon, I mean the DOD, not wanting us to know what they're talking about. I can't imagine that being ever true anytime ever. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding, right. But, yeah, they, that's been a, a big sticking point, actually, in the last four years, three and a half years, with the big um, UAP task force and the UAP story and to the STARS Academy is that uh, a lot of people... Um, justifiably have um, complaints about the way uh, to the stars and some of their folks have handled themselves and their, their public relations and a lot of the TTSA fans have complaints about the way the Pentagon has handled itself and yeah, truth be told, um, neither neither uh, outfit seems to have acted in in the the most uh, um, the 
best intent to clarify some of their activities and statements and what things mean. And so there's some justifiable frustration on both sides. And, yeah, you're absolutely right that um, it's not like the uh, federal government has any... um, motive to to like it's just not in the business of clarifying what it's doing you know i mean that's just kind of an intelligence community staple is uh you know people can wonder about ufo reports all they want and the um powers that be just aren't in in the business of disclosing what they do or don't know about any given event until it identified to be in their better interest to do so for one reason or another. Yeah, so let's unpack this for a minute because you kind of glossed over a lot of things in there about um, TTSA. I, I don't, well, because the article came out after the last time we talked, so all of this, there's a lot you're going on here. Um, where are they at today? I guess let's, let's work kind of, I'm going to go back and forth. I mean, I know it seems like um, Lou left and it kind of seems like they were well, you, you know the story better than I do. I'm just kind of watching from the sidelines, trying to keep up, and blessed to have watching your Twitter feed so I can kind of understand or keep in the game a little bit. And, and you know, it, it's a complex, convoluted story that I would say, too, there are people that have followed uh, much closer than I do where the average person walking around, yeah, would think that I just know an incredible amount of detail and um arguably useless information (laughs) (laughs) well jack you 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 know you know exponentially more than i do so that's why i brought you on so (laughs) well well, thank you i i guess you know um but yeah um louis lizondo uh has has left to the stars um christopher mellon has which uh, those two had pretty much become the face of it other than, you know, Tom DeLong, who had the popularity among, you know, certain demographics. But they had pretty much become the the operating face, the media face, and they left. And uh, it, it seems that uh, Mr. Elizondo may have some other interests now. He... Uh, has recently mentioned uh, an outfit he called Skyfort that I'm not sure what that might be doing. And uh, there's rumblings around the community about some directions. Uh, Some of them might go in. Um, Tom DeLong has said that he's more interested in the entertainment aspect. Uh, So who knows what's going to happen there. But uh, I, I think... You know, I'm one that has um, felt all down the line that um, Mr. Mellon and To The Stars Academy kind of uh, somewhat engineered a, a... And it was well done. I mean, they created a lot of interest and a lot of talk. And to a number of people that seems to have been enough. Like, they're just happy with that. I am among those that feel like uh, a lot of um, claims were made that weren't 
substantiated. A lot of promises went unfulfilled. And uh, I, I feel like I could cite a number of instances over the last three and a half years in which TTSA and its personnel uh, overpromised and underdelivered. I mean, for crying out loud, when this mess started with taking um, donations, uh, you know, some kind of loose uh, stock uh, transaction. I, I, was, I, was, gonna, I, was, I was just thinking, wasn't it a stock deal or something? But yeah, it was. It was. I was a little at confused point, at first because, was, like, how many shares are you selling, and what's I mean, what's the value? Like, it sounds like a, a great idea. We could sell some shares here tonight if we want to, but I, I don't see the value ever increasing in them or being there after yeah, I print the certificate. Yeah, and, and that's correct. And as I recall, there was a disclaimer about it having no actual value. And you know, I'm not an attorney. I, I don't know how all that worked. It. Uh, was not something that I had any interest in putting any of my money in. But what the th- kind of thing that concerns me, especially in hindsight, is at, at that point in time, DeLong was even talking about they were going to build a starship and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, obviously none of that came to pass. And there were certainly many direct statements and even more insinuations about exciting evidence and uh, about the UFO phenomenon and uh, proof, dare I say, of one thing or another that obviously never materialized either. And um, pretty much um, Mr. Mellon and Mr. Elizondo are still riding that wave of um, what's coming soon that never seems to actually get here. Now that, that they've even left the company, like, like you know, they had a three-year three run and left and are still on that bandwagon of drum beating about big stuff's coming. Well, Chuck, I, 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 I didn't listen to the conversations we had, but I know we've had this conversation before about every time we turn around, somebody is out there saying big things are coming uh, somebody yeah. at the, somebody at, uh, I have a, <laughs> I was joking with somebody I have an insider source at the Pentagon who's told me big things are coming of course I can't tell you his name and I can't tell you when but I might have a book coming out that might might give you another clue <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, yeah it's it, <laughs> It, it tries one's patience, especially um, like you've been around a while. Uh, even if you're not keeping a finger directly on the pulse, like you say, you've been around enough to hear that, I mean, anytime you want to check in, that's pretty much the story. And if somebody's got something big coming and... Uh, you're absolutely right. If it were that big, you'd have heard about it. You wouldn't have to come looking for it. And it, it's just a never-ending, never-ending story. And in in my opinion, um, what Mr. Mellon has accomplished is a marketing campaign that was effective. Uh, 
I, I can't really say what the ends are, what, what it was designed to accomplish. Just from my perspective, it, it's gotten a lot of media attention. It's gotten a, a lot of, uh, you know, newspapers, television. So it was effective in that regard, but it's just been uh, perpetual um, hype and and never actually delivering uh what 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 you would take to a scientist what what you would actually deliver to um researchers that if that was your intent you would be working with rather than um uh media people and uh you know, this magazine or that website or this website. And, you know, we've had these um, leaks, for lack of a better term, and, and they are pretty well choreographed and orchestrated. And uh, I don't know. Again, I, I'm not leveling any accusations as to what the purpose was or exactly who benefits in what way. But it seems pretty clear from my seat that an advertising campaign, propaganda effort, whatever one would like to call it, was executed quite well over the last three and a half years. That's what it seems like. Okay, so now that you kind of mentioned all this media hype and spotlight and all this other stuff that's kind of been trained into this disclosure discussion or just the existence of... Do you think we're changing anybody from the far outside, the non-believer, the non-people, the people that wouldn't be normally listening to my show, right? Because I kind of talk about this on a fairly regular basis. So the people out there who are uh, reading the USA Today. <laughs> That's a good question. I think that it's it's gotten in front of some eyes that weren't normally paying attention. I don't think that they're that a wider amount of the public is particularly any more concerned about it than they already were. Um, I, you know, like anybody, I'll occasionally pick up a conversation somewhere where, um, like before the pandemic, when I'd be out and it w- I'd be somewhere where there was a public television and maybe a, a news clip would come on, I could hear what people would have to say about it. And they have, as we would expect, it was my experience, they would have a really cursory knowledge of what the clip was, of what the story was, and pretty much a shrug. And they, they kind of even knew they don't know what this is about, and it, it's, they're not going to spend the time going into it, was my interpretation in, in the circumstances I ran into, but what has taken place is that uh, some, you know, members of Congress are talking and uh, some officials, and this isn't uh, unprecedented by any means either. This is, you know, happened intermittently in cycles since the, the 1950s as well, but it seems like if someone has been affected by it, 
we might would say that it would be outlets uh, like um, CNN and Fox News and uh, Capitol Hill uh, may have been affected, uh, in, in my estimation, more than, than John Q. Public attention has been now within the ufo community yeah there's a a fever pitch of arguing and discussions and and talking about it and you know these days the ufo community from my vantage point is pretty much limited to online uh interactions i i don't know how much um live community or gatherings we have going on yet, you know, related to that kind of thing. But to me, the the biggest change has, has uh, or the biggest increase since 2017, and again, not that it's unprecedented, but um, a, a UFO people are more interested, and there was an influx of UFO people that came after the New York Times article. And, uh, you know, some people feel like um, the way they they have their talking points together and uh, the way they um, kind of operate as a group and steer the discourse at times seems like that it, that's pretty choreographed, like I was saying about the the leaking of various videos and things but anyway that that that's what we're really seeing no i i don't think that uh just people that go to work every day and and uh have never read john keel or jacques valet are any more interested than they ever were probably but uh there has been enough attention from the more watched media outlets that uh you know we anyone that that's interested by now has seen the the sound bites from people like senator rubio and it did you know the the situation and the um efforts of mr mellon did put senator rubio in a position that he needed to comment on this kind of stuff yeah, I, I, I wanted to throw this one-liner out there and almost missed my opportunity. We're bound to talk about anything besides real issues in politics. Oh, wait. I can't. Oh, you're going to get me in trouble tonight, Jack, ripping on politicians. <laughs> I'm not ripping on one side yeah, or the other. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to kind of walk it down the middle myself, Jim, because it, it's not my intention to... Um, bring a political message or to um, try to, to uh, address anyone's political slant, but the UFO issue has been married to politics from the beginning of the modern day era, and by that I would say about 1946-47, and there's really just no getting around that. It's really... Um, hard to discuss it with any uh of any substance anything more than just philosophical ideas about uh 
you know, other civilizations out in the cosmos without acknowledging that, you know, there, there's a, a lot of political and social dynamics that go on with it. And you're absolutely right about, I, I agree absolutely that whether we're talking about Senator Reid or whether we're talking about Senator Rubio, uh, same grain of salt applies to those guys as I was saying about, you know, implying about uh, Mr. Elizondo and, you know, as my one buddy says, uh, show me the alien. You know, I've heard a million stories. I've seen a million YouTube clips. Just show me the alien, you know? Yeah, I think that's where we're at now. Okay, so you mentioned uh, being mostly an online community. Now, you're going to have to help me out with this one because I see the hashtag UFO, UFO Twitter. But I, I know there's like an actual group of people that use this all the time and like it's kind of bubbled up some issues at some different points, I guess. Like there's- yeah, yeah. Um, yes, UFO Twitter is a hashtag that um, people use that tweet about UFOs and discuss UFOs. And it's become, in my opinion, an increasingly indoctrinated group that accepts a uh, arguably alarming um, extent of unestablished material. And um, this is a group that um, uncritically accepts... Uh, crash retrievals, and they, they not only accept them, they argue that they're valid and uh, outcast those that, that might um, have a more critical stance or even want to reserve judgment. And uh, they, they've become, over now the last couple years, rather notoriously known for using uh, sock puppets, which are uh, accounts that, that just have screen names, but one person might use a dozen at a time to try to steer the overall discourse and um, use them in debates to, to try to steer public opinion. And so... Not only, as we were talking about, you know, the what John Q. Public might think about this, so not only does UFO Twitter not really reflect what the larger public thinks and believes about UFOs, it probably doesn't even reflect the beliefs and opinions of UFO Twitter if we have a... Uh, relative minority of people using dozens of accounts each. <laughs> uh, the old, uh, what it was that, was that Russian collusion? Uh, the bot farms <laughs> and all that other stuff? Oh, wait. Well, what? yeah, what it reminds <laughs> me of is the old, um, there was an article from The Guardian going around a few years ago that uh, now it's kind of common knowledge, but that there was a uh, team of uh, social warriors that that um, would use like 10 and 12 Facebook accounts at a time and 
uh, it was a British team that that was what they did is, is just use, uh, um, you know, laptops and phones and that kind of thing to um, sway public opinion over different social platforms. And uh, some nations are really uh, accomplished in it, or at least um, what we know of some nations that are that are very advanced in it and in multiple languages and uh, do a real good job of, uh, or bad, depending on how you want to look at it, of leading people to think everybody else thinks, you know, so it must be true or it must be correct or if I want to be friends with everybody, maybe I should should take this uh, opinion and champion it as well. And those are the kinds of things that it appears TTSA did very effectively with uh, uh, those of us that had been in the UFO uh, steeplechase, as I've heard it referenced, uh, saw people come around that use screen names and we had never known before and there, there's nothing wrong with that I mean there's always going to be new people and anybody can can uh, research and be interested in anything they want but my point is when you've been at something a while you tend to know the people that are in it and interested in it and you can tell when someone really doesn't know what they're talking about that is implying, if not outright pretending, that they have been involved in the subject for many years. And you just know they haven't. You know, it's kind of like if you know how a song goes and somebody doesn't, you can just tell, you know, that they don't know the song. So uh, we were seeing a lot of that, Jim, and... Uh, these people getting together and, and promoting these uh, um, very credulous points of view. And that is nothing new either. I mean, let, let's call it like it is. I don't want to imply there was any good old ufology before the Internet came along because, you know, they used to duke it out like crazy on UFO updates list and, uh, there's always been credulous people and people being exploited for one reason or another, like um, with the alien abduction genre that's just notorious for uh, methods of investigation that are very suspect and harmful to people and uh, logical fallacies and kind of arguing things inside out like reversing cause and effect like you know show me a situation and then i'll build you a reason that it was aliens around it and uh you know so it's always been kind of notorious for that but we were just seeing it done uh as easily online in recent years too and as i say very effectively actually by uh, Mr. Mellon and TTSA. So, Jack, I, I've got to ask this easy question at this way because we're almost halfway through the show, and it's 
there's so much more I got to touch on before I get you out of here. Um, where can people find your blog? And I know you have a book that's probably still floating around somewhere. And you know, let's let's get all the good stuff out of, out of the way now before I forget. Oh, thank you. That's kind of you, generous. Uh, my blog is the UFO Trail. It's one of those Google blogs, the UFO Trail. So it's just ufotrail.blogspot.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at the UFO Trail, uh, and um, I do have a book. It's available on Amazon. It's the Grays have been framed exploitation in the UFO community, and it uh, goes into the the ways that the UFO topic itself has been exploited over the years, and how researchers and the intelligence community and uh, people with unclear motives have been involved in, in the circumstances for reasons we really, in, in a lot of cases, still don't know. So it, by now, if somebody tuned in and is going, well, hell, man, I thought we were going to talk about UFOs, they might be kind of disappointed. Uh, so I'll kind of give my disclaimer that I, I'm not here to tell anybody what did or didn't happen to them and I would hope that people don't misinterpret my critical assessment of things in the UFO community as indicative of uh, their story and their personal experience because it's not. I, I don't know what happened to any given person or what they saw or what they didn't see. My research has led me to believe, however, that the topic has been exploited. Like whatever uh, unusual phenomena there may be at the core of this, like uh, cases come to mind like the Hess-Dallin lights or the Brown Mountain lights or any number of unsolved mysteries that could be cited what unusual phenomena there may be at the core of that uh, has been exploited to some extent by people that, that have any number of agendas. And more recently, Jim, I've been working on a book about NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, and I... I plan to have it uh, finished and available this year I'm hoping and it's not about NICAP per se as much as how it overlapped with the intelligence community and I, I use uh, FOIA documents and uh, materials from the FBI and the CIA and old NICAP files and uh, um various newspaper clippings, different things that are authenticated that to, to piece together the interactions and the implications of NICAP in the intelligence community. And that's what I came to be interested in. I just kind of got to a point with the, uh, um, the million UFO stories that... Um, they kind of just all end and shrug. Who knows? I don't know what, what happened. But 
the social dynamics I could actually sink my teeth into and study what people were doing and what people were saying, and that's what I ended up getting interested in. So you said you're working on that book. Do you have, how far are you in that process? I am in the home stretch. Uh, what What's going to be challenging for me is formatting it, because as I say, I'm drawing from a number of documents, so I'm going to have a lot of screenshots that I'd like to be able to share with readers rather than just footnotes telling them to go take a look at, at the document. And I'm doing it myself. It, it'll be a self-published book like my first one was. And so uh, that's going to be kind of challenging that I don't really know how to gauge how long that'll take. And it's already taken longer than I thought it would because it's one of those projects that you keep finding more stuff, and at some point you just got to go ahead and go with it and say, well, here's what I got, and maybe I'll even do more sometime. But it is kind of, even though it's in the past, it's kind of a never-ending story of material that, that one has to decide um, what's the mo what tells the story the best and what needs to get edited out and then, like I say, I have to format it. But I am I am in the home stretch of writing it, and then hope to get it formatted and available for people to read. Um, hopefully, well before the end of the year, but certainly this year. Well, that's the great thing about digital outlets. You can have all that stuff right at somebody's fingertips if they want to go through it, and not have to worry yeah. about being eliminated being eliminated being limited oh, being eliminated is a whole nother can of worms that we're just going to skim over um yeah absolutely you you do you whatever with all that's available these days yeah like when i'm talking about a document i'd like to be able to just say see right here you know this is what i'm talking about rather than you have to click around or reference something else especially if somebody prefers a uh uh, paperback book they don't want to have to go to the computer and you know look somewhere else so so getting that formatted with it in the right size then that you know it's not too small to see and all that'll be a little challenging but yeah it, definitely with the media available today we should be able to uh, present a better product than we might have seen in years past for someone to understand what we want them to to know that we're trying to transfer so jack we, we've been after this uh 35 minutes now we have not mentioned everybody's favorite ufo group yet which i i'm surprised because i know we talked about them before but in the last couple of years since we've talked last it seems like they've kind of fell off the table due to their own internal issues but where's move on today that is a great question. Uh, I, I got an email just today from one of their old members that was sending me some stuff they're they're working on, and uh, I I don't have an update for you. I mean, I don't even really see them around much on social media. Uh, Twitter is what I do. I don't really, I don't do Facebook or any of the others. So um, I don't see MUFON tweeting much. Uh, 
I think they do have. I think they do have some kind of now that now that you mention it. Uh, I think their annual symposium is forthcoming. They are going to try to hold it live. I think this year, um, but. No, uh, that, that's a good example of how they seem to have fallen so much out of the spotlight that I really couldn't even tell you what its theme is or who's at it or anything. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Let, let's just say that if people are going to claim they're uh, conducting scientific study, which MUFON did, then maybe it's not a bad thing if they're falling out of the public eye when they're they're presenting people as speakers that by definition are not respecting the scientific process. Yeah, actually, you know, the fun part is I'm one of the, um, what is it, 900 and some people they follow, and um, I, I seriously, when I asked the question, I brought it up because I, I, I was like you, I haven't seen anything for a while. And the last few posts are kind of nondescript um, things that you just kind of see scrolling through. So that's interesting. So I guess this is an interesting question because we've kind of beat around the groups and some of the people involved. But who are the who are the players right now? Who are the people that people maybe aren't paying attention to? Kind of like you in this conversation, right? That uh, we need to pay more atten- more attention to because they're doing the right things the right way instead of the people who. Or just out there, well, I will not finish that thought. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> people that, that um, seem to look for a more credulous audience, yeah. Um, I'm glad you bring that up, Jim, because with this uh, forthcoming UAP task force director of national intelligence report, Word on the street and in the New York Times is that uh, the director of national intelligence is going to say, we don't know. Over the past few decades, we've got about 120 sightings that we don't know what they are. And as been aptly uh, observed by some people, that's about as close as anybody in the Pentagon and federal government is ever going to come to saying we could use some help. And so uh, I would say that people that have um, uh, credentials and degrees and experience in in certain uh, UFO research uh, subjects might be looking around at that, getting uh, maybe organizing, getting some uh, resumes updated and uh, networking, getting some some people together that they might consider submitting some proposals, making some connections and and asking how they could help. And to your question of um, who some people like that might be, uh, there's a group some of your listeners may have heard of called Aerial Phenomena Investigations, or API. On Twitter, they're API Case Files, I believe it's called, or API Cases. Uh, you'll find them under a search for API. And that uh, their director is Paul Carr, 
literally a, a former rocket scientist, and he's a non-judgmental, down the down the middle uh, investigator. That uh, is just—he's one of those just the facts, ma'am kind of guy. And it, it's not flashy, it, it's not sensational, but you can count on it. it, it it's solid, and uh, they, they put out reports that are understandable, that are transparent. They have uh, good policies about um, protecting the uh, confidential information of witnesses, and I, I would... I have recommended uh, people, they're my go-to group when people say they haven't had a sighting and, and want uh, able-bodied people with uh, some equipment and some knowledge of what they're looking at in a photograph and how to read the, the data of a, a film clip and how to put it in... in context uh, to help them see what they're looking at um, that that's my gr go to group is API and I feel like that uh, people like API like their investigators and group uh, are the ones that may want to take a look at some funding opportunities that might arise I think that Mick West does some good work and looks for rational and reasonable explanations, which, uh, again, back to saying let's not turn around the, the uh, cause and effect process and do it backwards. Let's, let's look for what is most likely and most obvious first. And he, he has some skill sets that he, he brings good work to the table, and so I think it is people like Paul Carr and Mick West that, that might want to consider uh, organizing some groups and looking for some funding opportunities that may arise with the uh, Pentagon being stumped, apparently, on some of these UFO reports. Well, stumped, don't want to tell us, I mean... We'll just leave that to wherever that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Jack, you, you mentioned that the UFO people might be disappointed tonight because we haven't really talked about it, but let's talk about it for a minute. Is there actually anything going on, actually, like, in the sky that we haven't, I mean, that needs talked about? <laughs> there's, there's certainly people that see things that they don't know what they are. Um, I'm one of them. I, I've seen something in the sky that my best uh, uh, guess is to figure out um, just left me with I don't know, and I've finally come to terms with I don't know, and that's just what it is. Um, so I can certainly relate um, when people are at a stage where it's important to them and um, they, they might even identify with it and can become very emotionally vested in that and, and feel hurt or angry if they feel that's minimized. I, I can certainly relate to that. Are those things relevant? I don't know, Jim. Uh, there, there's a, 
an argument can be made that the UFO cases that don't have explanations are because there's not enough information available, obviously, to know what it is, even if what it is is something extraordinary, there's obviously not enough information. So I, I don't know. One of the arguments that are largely made today, and again, we, we can pretty much thank Christopher Mellon for, for getting this talking point around uh, the, the online community, is that it's a national security issue, whatever it may be. And there's something to be said for that. I don't know really how valid it is, though, in um, the kind of circumstances like you and I are talking about. Was was the Mothman sightings, uh, you know, cases of high strangeness or those national security issues? I don't know. I, I guess there's different ways to look at it. it. It is a national security issue when drones or something in the sky is uh, uh, accompanying a, a U.S. battleship and and we're not we being uh, readers are not sure what it was and what it is I, I just get a little hesitant to, to really stomp the gas on that though because as you're implying Jim uh, they take care of things pretty well and uh, there's some people throwing this we around that that don't have anything to do with national security and uh, the military and the intelligence community. And so I, I like would have no no business saying we don't know what they are. Well, who would that be? You know, me and and the people I know on my laptop. You know. Uh, is, is altogether different. But sure, there there may be some things of interest in the sky. Like earlier I touched on the Brown Mountain Lights and the Hess-Dahlen uh, work that it research that is done that people might, if they're not familiar with it, might particularly like to look up Hess-Dahlen that has had people with scientific credentials studying for years that have a number of um, light formations and what appears to maybe be some kind of electromagnetic energy um, filmed in the sky. So, sure, you know, we can never say there's nothing there to see or, or to look at. Uh, again, we're going to get back to exploiting the topic, though, of uh, is, is that stuff relevant to these warships? stories um i i don't know because like i don't really see what a specialized group a uap task force a project blue book a special government division would do any differently than norad and the navy and the air force and the coast guard do now about air incursions you know i i don't really see um, how that would would change anything, but sure. Um, what do you think about that? Are are there is there anything worth 
actually looking at up there? I have to believe so. I mean, there's been enough people who have seen enough strange things that we need to keep our eyes open and keep our eyes up. And that's, I mean, part, uh-huh. of, the, part, of, the, part of it, right? Now, is there some things out there that people, me and you don't know, but, yeah, oh, yeah, it's just a, a, a drone, a secret military plane, you know, any of these logical explanations, sure. But doesn't mean we should stop looking, because if we're the only thing in the universe ever, oh, Jack, we've got problems. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like big problems. So, yeah, like, now that, see, that's one of the things that has just fascinated me since I was a kid is um, it's really stunning to think there's nothing else out there. <laughs> That's a lot of space for nothing, man. <laughs> okay, so I've got to ask, we, we've been now 50 minutes into the show, and something, and something else big happened and since we've talked last, and I almost forgot to bring this up, except I didn't. I don't know what made me even think about this, but we were talking about the Department of Defense when we started the show, and I guess we've got to circle back around. Uh, we've got the Space Force now. Now, We do. When I first heard that, that kind of got me my, my paranormal mind going, of course. And then, you know, obviously I was rather uh, quickly corrected that, you know, we're not preparing for invasion. But, of course, you know, once that seed got planted in my head, it's just too late. But what do you think? I can definitely see what, how you would, would think that. Um, I think a lot of people, their first response was, what the hell? And uh, I can also say that, uh, that, I mean, there's no question that um, protecting American assets in space is going to be an issue. I mean, I, I don't know if there's like, on what kind of treaties there are or unwritten rules or whatever about uh, satellites and everything now. But um, clearly, you know, the, the pe- different countries have labs in space. Every, it, it's become so common to hear about somebody's going to build a base on the moon or Mars that I don't even click on the articles anymore. Uh, I don't even keep up with who's claiming to be working on that. That I, I can certainly see how uh, uh, laying the groundwork, collecting the information, um, explaining to the powers that be that they can tell the president, "Here's the situation. Here's here's our estimations. Here's." our recommendations and letting the the generals and the president call the make the final decisions about how um, American assets are protected on, on the moon or in space you know around in, in orbit that that's definitely an issue and I I can see where they would want to prepare for that absolutely yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be a problem because, I mean, I think about, um, I'm looking at Germantown Runner in the chat room right now, Elon Musk firing all these rockets up into space and doing all this stuff. I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff up there pretty soon. I mean, there's already a lot of stuff up there, but there's going to be a lot of stuff up there soon. We were talking about GPS satellites last week on here, and there's, like, I mean, we're just going to have, we're going to have more stuff in space pretty soon than we have on the planet, and that's scary because we have a lot of stuff on the planet. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like you say, um, private contractors, like absolutely, a, a time might come that, right, I mean, the American and the Chinese look at each other and say, well, who the hell is this, you know? And uh, yeah, there's definitely going to need to be a process in place for identifying things and, and what they're believed to be, what their purposes are, their intents, and having that chain of command of uh, what to do and when, uh, the rules of engagement uh, in space, absolutely. So, I know you said you stopped following it, but do you think anybody's actually going to get to the moon and actually build something? I think they will. Uh, if, if it had, let's put it this way, Jim. If it has resources somebody wants, yeah, they'll figure it out. They won't do it just to do it, but if there's resources on Mars or the moon that it's financially feasible and profitable to uh, obtain and do something with, then, yeah, I I absolutely think that... uh, in yeah. our in my lifetime, and I'm in my fifties. I'd say in my lifetime, um, yeah. there there could be bases established. I mean, if if there's space stations, why not bases on asteroids or um, moons or whatever? Would you? I, I, I think about Elon again in the uh, going on vacation to Mars. Is that in your future? I wouldn't want to be the first one, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, if, you know, if, if I, if I thought it was, if I thought the odds were in my favor, like when I get on a plane or get in my car to go to the store that I'm just playing the odds, sure, sure, I mean, uh, who wouldn't like a ride into space and spend the night in a hotel or something, sure. I don't know, man. I think about all the times I've been on a plane. I haven't been on a plane that is even remotely a long flight around the world. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I could deal with being with those same people for that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that would be the hardest part of actually the employment. Uh, yeah, it's it's just your life. Yeah. Because I have some listeners in Australia, and I kind of just looked it up one time just to kind of see, you know, like that 30-hour flight. And I'm thinking... That's, I mean, even if I do sleep well, that's still being up 20 hours with, you know, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and let's be honest, uh, after the pandemic or as it winds down or whatever we're calling the time we're in, um, I'm much less mobile and eager to get my boots on than I was before. I mean, let's face it, we're creatures of habit. I haven't been out running the highways, and uh, I've gotten to where I'm kind of good with just sitting around, you know? I mean, it's going to take me a while, no matter risk, no risk, to to get used to um, uh, any kind of nightlife or... uh, 
trips out of town or anything again. I, I mean, you know, been well over a year. Yeah, you know, we, we romanticized the interaction with people, right? And then I went out to a restaurant a few days ago, and my server was a horrible piece of, whoa. Uh, <laughs> maybe it wasn't that uh, bad, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't the uh, romantic notion that we kind of had before, you know, when you were sitting here thinking about, man, I'd just love to go out and eat and, you know, interact with these people and all this other yeah. stuff. <laughs> and then yeah. you, you have that moment, and you're like, I didn't miss this as nearly as much as I thought I was going to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, like, the reality of it is they've been hanging on by a shoestring for a year and aren't prepared to even serve you, really, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I went to a place that I used to hang out, and being as long as it's been since I was there, we're not going to go back we can't go back we can only go forward and it's not the same place anymore and it you know it was like i've moved or something (laughs) like i might as well have just been visiting a different city as far as the employees and the people hanging out you know just not where i used to go buildings the same but that's about it you know i didn't know you as the ufo guy that's why that's why it was so different you're that there guy. You go. You're the guy that brings all them that gray matter with you. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it it is interesting. I I don't think we're, you're right. We're never going back, and I don't know where the new. I hate the new normal phrase, right? Because no, nothing nothing in life is normal, ever. No. I feel like I'm forgetting to ask you something, which is hard to believe. Because we've kind of danced around. Oh, I, I, obligatory mention of Area 51 in Roswell, just because um, somebody someday will probably be reading a transcript of this and be like, oh, he talked about it. And, they'll be like, and then they'll actually scroll down the whole way through this show and realize, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> is, that, is that wrong? Is that bad on my part? No, it's not. I was thinking about Roswell today, in fact, because someone... Uh, Uh, tweeted an article about the different places around the country that have museums and festivals and sightseeing. And it reminded me of the one time I went to Roswell uh, was for one of the gatherings. And uh, the mayor was asked by a journalist, Steve, believe, uh, you know, spaceship crashed here or something to that effect and he uh without hesitation replied i believe in roswell and <laughs> i thought that's he was ready for that that's a pretty good answer i think um, i think he has to look a... man my <laughs> jobs make sure the chamber of commerce works okay <laughs> well well jack i appreciate you hanging out with me and being a little late with me and all that fun stuff and hey great conversation tonight man Hey, you too, Jim. I really appreciate you having me, and you and your listeners have a great rest of the week. You too. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Mail Report. Stay tuned for details on saving money at the Duck Pond Shop. I hope you enjoyed this report. Please subscribe so that you can join us again. And if you appreciate the show, leave us some stars or a review. For more notes from this show or other great shows, check out Mallard.com. A reminder, the views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guests and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or any other partners of the Mallory Report.
Now for your money-saving tip. Promo code Mallard at checkout of DuckPondShop.com where you can get your t-shirt, coffee mug, and other great products. That's promo code Mallard at checkout, DuckPondShop.com. Until next week, stay safe and keep whacking. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.